I took my first school fees, traveled down to Lagos. Lagos is about the biggest city in Nigeria and by extension, Africa. Traveled to Lagos, one of the very major markets, and bought items, products and services so that I could travel back to school, sell them to students in the hostel, and then triple the money so I can have money to buy clothes and all the nice things I wanted mm. and still be able to pay my school fees. So this was the entire plan I had hatched up in my head. So I did that, bought earrings, bought underwears, bought all kinds of fancy stuff, and then came back to school to sell. This was where I learned my entrepreneurship mm. 101 journey. I mean, 101 lesson. Hi there. If you are eager to develop your business, personal life, income, and impact, you are ready to be here. We have prepared an incredible journey for you. I am thrilled to present you today's episode and see how the insight shared here can change your life forever. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of Building the Entrepreneur Podcast. Today, I have with me just Omomo eBay. She's a multifaceted visionary business leader with a critical focus on rebuilding the African economy through entrepreneurship, education, youth, and trade. She is the founder and president of the Association of African Startups, a pan-African organization that focuses on equipping African entrepreneurs with the required skills to build sustainable businesses with upcoming membership presence in 55 African countries. Omomo Ibe has been coaching entrepreneurs for years, and I have seen her I've known her in the industry, helping entrepreneurs build their platform, their businesses over the years. She's a respected business coach in Nigeria and the African continent as a whole. And I am delighted to have Just Omo Ibe on the show today. Welcome, Just. Yes, I know that you're welcome. I know that entrepreneurship is a passion for you and developing entrepreneurs is something you've been doing over the years. Having watched your remarkable contribution in the in the African economy and how you've helped entrepreneurs to develop their skill, their strategies and scale their businesses as a whole. I thought, who is better to bring on this show right now? Because this show is about building the entrepreneurs than just eBay. And I'm excited to have you on the show today. So just tell us, how did you develop an interest, a passion for entrepreneurs? Thank you very much. Love you for having me on your show today. I'm delighted to be here. And to everyone who's listening, thank you for lending us the next 30 minutes to just listen to our conversation. I believe that a couple of things we mentioned here today would literally shift you in your business. So for me... I grew up in an average home and my parents were civil servants. And as civil servants, I watched how that life had to be built around the budget. And it meant that we had to plan our lives around that budget. If that budget was not enough, whatever it is you needed had to wait. And as we progressed, as we began to grow, I began to see my father trying to do other things to augment the quote-unquote, the civil service job. So it was at that time I found that, okay, there's something called business because he tried to build something else outside his job. Whether he succeeded or not, that's a story for another day. 
But I know that as young as I was at eight years old, I would dream and visualize myself on global stages, just literally talking to very successful people. How that dream came into my heart, I have no idea. But I literally started visualizing at eight years old, speaking on public space, talking to successful people, being very successful myself. And I nursed that dream or that vision in my heart somewhere. And then fast forward to after secondary school, just before I got into the university, a thought came to my heart. You're going to university now. And if you are not careful, you're still going to have to live within that budget in the house. That means if there's no budget for your clothes in school, you're not going to wear nice clothes. So I said to myself, I have to find something doing. And so my first thought, well, I'm not going to advise any young person listening to me to do this, but that's what I did. I took my first school fees. I went to the University of Illinois in Kwara State, Nigeria. It's in the north central Nigeria. I took my first school fees, traveled down to Lagos. Lagos is about the biggest city in Nigeria and by extension, Africa. Traveled to Lagos, one of the very major markets, and bought items, products and services so that I could travel back to school, sell them to students in the hostel, and then triple the money so I can have money to buy clothes and all the nice things I wanted mm. and still be able to pay my school fees. So this was the entire plan I had hatched up in my head. So I did that, bought earrings, bought underwears, bought all kinds of fancy stuff, and then came back to school to sell. This was where I learned my entrepreneurship mm. 101 journey. I mean, 101 lesson. That you don't just sell because it's nice to sell. You sell because mm-hmm. the market has a need and mm-hmm. you pay for the product. So I bought fancy looking jewelry. I'm like, there's no one who will see this fancy jewelry. I will not want it. Those days, those Caribbean Shanghai mm-hmm. just came mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. very bold ones, right? And so in my head, people would jump at it. I took it to the hostel, Shalakwe. Very strangely, nobody paid attention. So I had my school fees. No way. Services. <laughs> nobody was paying attention. <laughs> Only products that moved really fast were my underwear, the underwears I bought, because this was mm-hmm. a very affordable for student hostel, right? Those ones went out really quickly. But the bulk of the money was tied down in the jewelry. So I had fancy jewelry, beautiful jewelry. The best comments I had were, oh, it's so beautiful. And everybody would take a walk. Hmm. It's so beautiful. Everybody would take a walk. And it was there, it dawned on me that your dad is going to have to find out <laughs> that the school fees he gave you, with you it. are going to do huh. something else with it. I struggled. I tried everything possible to sell it. People just weren't buying. A time came, my sister had to tell my dad something has happened. This girl hasn't paid her school fees. This is what she did. And my dad drove down to school my mom. I remember that sunny afternoon. They told me in my hostel that your father is outside waiting for you. You can imagine. I bet you had died before death. So my dad came with his... Mm. He came with his pojo right mm. before in those days, the long one. And I went out. From afar, I saw my father's red, angry eye. He was looking at me with anger from afar. And my mom was standing beside him in her heart. She's like, the kind of slap this child will get today. I pray she survives Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So I could tell in her eyes, there was compassion in her eyes. But my father was angry. So as I approached, I couldn't move too close to my dad (laughs) because I didn't want that slap to touch me. He was talking to me. I was standing far away from him. So he called my name, my native name. My dad calls me that name. He doesn't call me just. He calls me Omomo. He says, Omomo, where is the school fees I gave you to go to school? 
He asked me three times. Oh. Where is the I gave him to go to school three times. I couldn't answer. And then he goes for that to say, you see, I sent you to school to read your book, nothing else. If you go out of my order, you will have yourself to blame. Right? And then he yells and yells. And the way my father talks, he does not mm-hmm. care whether anybody's passing or not. Yeah. So you can imagine being yelled at by your dad and mom. Everybody hmm, was passing. I can fat, imagine. You know, the jam yes. was quote unquote. So I had to stomach all of that. But at the end of the year, oh. he gave me the school fees again. And then they left. At like, least okay, you're saved. You can go to school. So that's how that went. <laughs> I shared the story. Yes. I shared the story to say entrepreneurship is something that is innate. It started for me as a desire mm. to live a comfortable life because of where I grew up or how I grew up. I just wanted some level of comfort out of the, for lack of a better word, averageness. I don't, mm. I don't want to call it mediocrity, but average lifestyle. And so from then on, my business skills evolved from learning my mm-hmm. lesson from that first endeavor to not just buying nice products, but looking at what the market really wanted and pouring money into it so that I can double my revenue. So no, that was not the last time I did business in school. I kept doing it for mm-hmm. this time and focused on underwear because I knew that girls were always going to buy their underwears and no matter how, mm-hmm. it wasn't so expensive. And so that was how that started. So my 100 level, 200 level, 300 level, I was literally plying that entire Eloran to Lagos, buying products and services mm. and selling as a young girl who had no mentorship, no training, no exposure whatsoever. But it just was innate for me. It was innate for me. And I realized that as I began to do that, I had answers to help other people around mm-hmm. me solve their business problems. It was really just innate. So people will call me and say, I have this challenge. What do I do? The answers will come from within. Maybe because mm-hmm. I had done a couple buying and selling. And every time I saw people doing business, I was always interested to know what they mm-hmm. were doing. How they were making their money. How they were getting their customers to come back. We had several school shops where they sell food those days in school. Every time I went in there to buy food, I would attempt to calculate the number of customers these guys have how much they were making. My head was usually calculating numbers and what they were doing Mm. to get customers to keep coming back. I was literally always calculating numbers. And so that's how I knew that business was the line for Mm -hmm. me. Probably helping people with it is what I should be doing. And so fast forward to after university, I got deployed to serve in Nasarawa State, which is very close to Abuja, Mm -hmm. which is the same border. When I was going to camp, it was the next opportunity I had to do big business. So I did a visibility study and I realized that the copper's uniform for our NYC, the belt is usually very, mm-hmm. not very trendy. Yeah. It's, for mm-hmm. lack of a better word, it's not appealing. So coppers usually have these khaki mm-hmm. belts that look like military belts that they use to augment whatever mm-hmm. they're given by NYC. So I thought, why not go and sell that product in NYC? I partnered with someone who told me where it could be found. And then I, we went to, the person got it from Abba. Mm-hmm. Abba is in Anambra State, I believe. Mm-hmm. Abia State. I think Abia or Anambra, I can't remember. So the person sent almost 400 pieces of belts for me from Abba. I took it to NYC camp. In the night, when coppers are in their room, I will go from hostel to hostel selling belts. By the time I was done with selling that product, I made close to 400000 As a fresh graduate. Just as a, in hmm. that was three weeks, as a fresh graduate. And it was my introduction mm-hmm. to good money. Mm-hmm. At that time, it was yeah. a lot of money over 15 mm-hmm. years ago. It was a lot of money. 
That was my introduction to the good life. So my entire three weeks, I'm like, okay, this is the comfort I'm talking about. I literally don't want to be boxed into whatever amount of money they give you as an NYC copper. So that progressed from one level of business to the other level. And I, I did literally all kinds of business from interior decor to clothes mm. to food. I sold food. Oh, I sold food. I sold mm -hmm. uh, jewelry. I sold underwear. All kinds of things, literally. And after university, after service, it dawned on me that it was time to take this skill that I have learned from doing several businesses and failing mm -hmm. at so many more to begin to teach this mm -hmm. mainstream to people. And that's how my business as a consultant started. I said to take all my business lessons, all my structural lessons, all the lessons I've learned from failing and begin to share with other entrepreneurs. That's how my story as a consultant started. I started with one-minute videos, two-minute videos, just giving short business lessons. And after that, it progressed into coaching, where I would gather 20 women in a group to say, you know what, let's help you move your business from this level to that level within the next three months, or some people 30 days, depending on how mm. willing you're ready to work. And when we started the first launch of coaching, I realized that the first 20 people their businesses changed mm. in leaps and bounds. I was blown away that what mm -hmm. I thought was basic knowledge mm -hmm. from my experiences or knowledge or from my mistakes could literally shift people's businesses. And after that first experience, it became a full-time business wherein we begin to help businesses, both small businesses, mid-level businesses, sometimes some corporates to truly move the needle further as far as sales, marketing, and customer experience. So yes, this is how the past. Fantastic. So for you, it was inborn and you learn firsthand from failing. It wasn't just picked up from books, from all of that. You failed and then you learned. And that usually drives the message further because that failure taught you something. As a, How old were you then when you did your first business in the university? Okay, I think I was, I finished secondary school at 12. I think I was 20 or 21, either of those ages. 20 or 21. 20, 21 or 22. Between 20 and 22. I can't remember vividly mm -hmm. now. But yeah. Mm -hmm. And at such a young age, you were brave enough to venture into entrepreneurship. That tells me one thing. Entrepreneurship requires courage. No matter the age, no matter the level, it requires courage. And for you, you develop that courage at a very, very young age, which is fantastic. So from your experience over the years, what are the challenges that you've seen a lot of entrepreneurs face and how can they overcome these challenges? Thank you. So for me, I think the predominant challenge is vision. I think that a lot of us as African entrepreneurs go into a business with a desire to turn over capital or turn over income and make some quick bucks, either to augment a lifestyle or augment a salary or just be able to make ends meet. Usually for most entrepreneurs, that's like that. Let me just try this. Let me just try this. Very few founders sit down and build a business through the lens of a compelling vision. What usually happens when you start off because mm -hmm. you just want to um, follow a desire or follow, for lack of a better word, a need, what usually happens is you get into the industry mm -hmm. and you would find that what you thought it was is not what it is. And at that time, money would have gone down the drain, time would have gone down the drain, mm -hmm. resources would have gone down the drain. 
mm-hmm. as opposed to sitting down and captivating in your mind's mm-hmm. eye a vision. What is this thing I'm passionate about that I want to go into? Whether it's a leather business, whatever kind of business, or even a virtual business or a service business, where am I going to with this? Who needs it? What do I need to do to get their attention? How do I keep them coming back? What's the sustainability model for my business? Because it's one thing to have a great product and great service. There is no guarantee that the audience or the market Mm -hmm. will jump at your great product and great service. You can enter and everybody will look at you and say, nice to have, not must have, literally, right? And we're seeing that again Mm -hmm. and again and again with very fantastic Mm -hmm. products, whether they are tech products, whether they are fiscal products, whether they are service-based products. It doesn't matter what it is. There mm-hmm. is the product and service in itself properly done, but there is the visibility studies to find out if the audience truly needs this and if they need it, how badly, what are they willing to pay for it? And what are the mm-hmm. other things competing for the share of wallet for how much they decide to pay for that product? It's a lot of planning to go into a business that you are certain will be sustainable. So I feel like the mm-hmm. biggest mistake is vision. That's why we have businesses failing within the first zero to five years because there was no vision in the first place. It was just a response to an mm-hmm. impulse or a desire or mm-hmm. I like this or can I just start something? It's usually like that. So there must be a compelling vision. See, I tend to see five mm-hmm. years down the line. And I know some people will tell you most times you don't usually mm-hmm. see. That's a mistake. It's a mistake. We are created by a God who knows the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. I'm a spiritual person, so I can tell you that for sure. Mm-hmm. And so whether you use the principle of visualization or you're mm-hmm. a spiritual person like me, visualization helps you see far mm-hmm. beyond where you currently are. So vision is not an excuse or lack of mm-hmm. vision is not an excuse for any entrepreneur whatsoever. Sit with that desire, sit with that idea, sit with that seeming plan and attempt to visualize where am I going in the next five years. Once you're able to catch a glimpse of that place, what you then do is backtrack. To say, I've seen where five years will look like. What does that mean to me right now? What active steps can I take to bring that, for lack of a better word, that five-year plan into my daily execution? That would prepare you for all the challenges or some of the challenges, because not all. As you travel, you still see that other challenges you did not envision will still come across along the way. But at least it will help you plan for the majority of the challenges that will come. So I think vision is a predominant challenge. Because whenever I ask entrepreneurs, what are you building? Most times they don't have an answer. With your experience with entrepreneurs and working with lots of them, this is truly the major challenge. If you don't know where you're going, how would you get there? How would you even know how to journey there. So this is a very serious point that entrepreneurs need to take note of. So for instance, for someone who has failed in business, like you mentioned earlier, probably made a mistake, didn't envision what they wanted, didn't do a market research, didn't know exactly if people wanted this, and they just ventured into it out of impulse and they have failed. How do they build it? How do they start again? Basically, how does an entrepreneur develop resilience? Even for someone who has done a market research or for some reason or another, the business failed. How would you encourage such a person to develop resilience and keep going Fantastic. on? Fantastic. Thank you so Without giving much. up. So I'm not in the school of thought that says, if something is not working, keep working at it. I'm not in the school of thought. I don't, I, honestly, if something is not working, it's okay to take a break. 
because most times you don't find mm-hmm. the solution to something you are in except you step out of it and attempt to use ego eyes to look into it. So mm-hmm. if you feel like he has failed or is failing and you have attempted to get help, if you have attempted to get help, mm-hmm. because sometimes people say something failed when they never got help. If you ask them, what was the challenge in this business? They can't identify it. You can only tell me something failed if you found mm-hmm. out what the problem is and you tried to use the solution that was proffered to you and it did not work. Let me say this one again. Because it's easy for mm-hmm. us to say, oh, I tried this business, it didn't fail. I cannot accept that a business fa- I mean, it failed. I cannot accept that a business failed if you could not tell me what the problem was and what expert solution was given to you for that problem that you actioned repeatedly over a period of time, yet there was no turnaround. Until you can give me that business didn't fail. You just mm-hmm. didn't explore the options to make it grow. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because mm-hmm. as entrepreneurs, sometimes, especially those of us mm-hmm. within the African yes. time, we don't believe in consultants. We don't believe in Some of us mm-hmm. don't believe in consultants. We don't believe in coaching. We don't believe in business advice. You Sometimes we feel like, well, I'm the one in the business. I know my customers. I know my business. No, sometimes you don't. And no, don't fall for that belief, that trap that says if the person does not have a track record of building a business of 20 years, they can't advise me. It's a lie. It's not true. I started advising businesses mm. that were 10 years older than me in my first two years of building a business. And every single time, there was never a problem with those solutions. In fact, when I met my husband, as we were dating, I was his personal mm-hmm. consultant. And I was still young in business. He would have mm. a problem, who will come to me. His friends would have a problem, they will come to me. And I did not have any certification at, at that time. I did not have, have any 10 years experience at that time. But I had the knowledge mm. that they could not see in their business and I could tell them. And I'm, trying to, I'm saying this because there's an entrepreneur somewhere who is probably mm. seeing a coach on Instagram and she's looking at the coach and say, let me see the business this person has. This other one is not a coach and motivational speaker. Where is their business? Don't fall for that. The answer to your business may mm-hmm. lie in the hands of a person mm-hmm. who looks like they have never built a business, but they can, with eagle eye, look into your business and see all the problems. So, mm-hmm. that being said, once you have gone through these stages of, I identified that this was the problem, I got an expert solution, and I tried the expert solution for a long time, yet it did not work, then we can say it failed. At that point, it's okay to take a break and say, mm. I want to reevaluate whether I want to come back into this business this time around with superior strategy. Or I want to start something new that I believe I am better equipped to grow. I am better equipped to grow. Another thing I want to pay attention to, I want us to pay attention to as entrepreneurs, the growth of your business largely depends on you, the entrepreneur. Your business can never go beyond the level of leader Mm -hmm. you have. So if you had problem in your business mm-hmm. and the solution was given to you, you tried it, it didn't work. Do you want to check yourself and find out what's your growth level? Where's your mind mm-hmm. at? How enlarged is your mind and your capacity to truly think, to, your capacity to rally a team, your capacity to communicate, your capacity to sell and market your business, your capacity to even just be diligent. So in that season where you're thinking about going back, focus on growing yourself. Mm-hmm. Your personal effectiveness, your productivity, your mindset re-evaluation, or you may call it, yeah, mindset re-evaluation. Attempt to grow your visualization power, right? Which is what I call visionaries. Your ability to literally see 
and then build what you have seen in your mind's eye or enroll the people to go with you to build what you have seen in your mind's eye. Mm. So I think that these are some of the things that entrepreneurs can do, even if they mm. are at rock bottom. Attempt to grow yourself. And when you feel like you have grown or you are growing, then you can attempt to step in again, whether it's the same business, but this time around with superior strategies or mm. with another business that you believe that you are now equipped mm. to start. Fantastic. So before you give up on your business, explore solutions, speak to consultants, coaches. Get a consultant to look at your business and draw up a personalized sales strategy for your business. Because when I say personalized mm-hmm. because the person will look at your business, your business model, look at your customers, look at the market you want to play in, whether it's virtual, whether it's physical, and also look at the business climate within sub-Saharan Africa or even the diaspora where you intend to sell this product and services and help you design an entire launch system or launch uh, strategy to enter into any of those markets. But beside that, also the person should help you design a brand positioning strategy because it's wanting to have a commodity. It's another thing to build a brand. Mm -hmm. Everyone sells commodities. People buy from brands because brands have a way of creating conversations in the minds of your customers. That's the reason why you can feel like you want to buy a bag mm. and you're thinking of a designer bag. There are several other bags within your vicinity. Why are you desiring a designer bag? It's because brands have been built, right? There had to be somebody bought me a, for my bed, somebody bought me a beautiful DKNY bag and it was easy to spot because my daughter said, oh, mommy, somebody got you a DKNY bag. I'm like, yes, it's DKNY, da, 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 da. And it's easy to spot that it's a brand. And so there was some level of feeling attached to, oh, it's a designer mm. bag. It doesn't mean that it's finer than a leather bag in Nigeria. That's what I'm saying. It's not finer. It's not better. It's not more durable. Mm-hmm. It's just branding. So it's wanting to have products and services. It's important much more to build a brand. And without a strategy to build a brand, you're not going to build a brand. You don't build a brand by consistently selling a product and service. Building a brand is strategic, systematic mm. way of establishing authority, establishing influence, establishing pattern over a period of time until the market accepts you as who you want to be accepted. And you see, the beauty of this branding thing is I have tried it over varying markets. Me as a person have built several personal mm-hmm. brands. And every time I want to switch brands, it's easy for me because I know the system. Mm. I started from being a sales expert mm. to being the president of TAS to being different things to being. I literally have moved brands different times. And it's just a matter of three to six months. It sticks because there's a system of establishing a brand. Mm. Customers will call you what you want you be, what you have told them or you what you have trained them to call you. Customers will see you as what you have trained mm-hmm. them to see you as. So the branding bit is the training the customers to see you as what you want to be seen as while you are honing in on your sales and marketing strategy. And of course, beyond all of this is an automation system because generating lead via marketing is one thing, turning them into paying customers their closure is another thing. So there has to be an automation system that moves your leads from coming in to wanting to do business with you to eventually building business with you. 
The internet of things have made it so easy to build a brand and to build sales systems. It has made it so easy. You just need to plug yourself into the systems that exist currently, depending on what you sell, and leverage them to build your brand. Whether you're in skin skincare, whether you're in fashion, whether you're in entertainment, whether you're in coaching or consulting, it doesn't matter, or lifestyle or healthcare, whatever kind of business, there are plug and play tools that every entrepreneur can leverage right now because of the internet of things. So I think sales, marketing, automation systems, brand positioning, very key. Thank you so much, um, Just, for your time today. It has been a fantastic and enlightening session with you today. And I believe everyone who has heard our conversation today have picked one thing or another. Don't give up on your business until you have explored all avenues to ensure that, okay, this is not going to work. You can take a step back. You can ask for coaching. Don't give up on your business. And just as said now, building your brand is not something that just happens. You have to take systematic steps and then you have to be intentional about the communication that you pass across to your audience and to your customers so that they can accept you as who you want them to accept you as. And a brand is better than just selling commodities, selling products or services. When we build brands, we have, there is a person that our brand is perceived as exactly who or what we want it to be perceived as. It has been a fantastic session with you just today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I've had a great time chatting with you and I hope you enjoy the rest Thank of your so day. Thank you so much. Have a fantastic day. Amen. Thank you all for watching today. See you next time. Thank you for joining us today. Please let me know how best this podcast and our community can serve you by dropping your comments on my social media. And if you found valuable insights for your business and personal life, please share with your friends and communities. We have more to come. So I'll see you in the next episode.